This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It worked. I'm talking about the campaign against the Ford government's retroactive cuts to city budgets that would have affected areas like public health, child care and ambulance services. According to Toronto's tally, it would have added up to 180 or taken up to $180 million from a budget that had already been set. And last week, Mayor John Tory launched a petition, and a group of big city mayors echoed his demand to back off. On the weekend, he was going door-to-door canvassing against the cuts in PC ridings in the city, and even big Ford supporters like Deputy Mayor Stephen Holliday and the Toronto Sun weighed in saying that the retroactive nature of these cuts was unfair. So, the government backed off. Not for the first time. Want to know what you think of this? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. And first we go to Stephen Lecce, who is the Premier's Parliamentary Secretary and the MPP for King Vaughn. Hi, Stephen. Libby, how are you? Fine. How are you? I'm doing well, doing very well. Okay, well, uh, we talked just a few days ago, and at that point you were saying no way would this these these uh, cuts be reversed. Uh, what made the government change its mind? Well, I think when we chatted, my the consistency then that remains true today is that there's an imperative to find savings, and the municipal partners have to do that. That's where I personally and virtually every member of caucus that's communicated on this have said, Our long-standing position, I think, remains true now, as it did yesterday and and before we made this new announcement this morning, which is the municipal sector and municipal governments have to be part of the solution to find savings. Over 92 cents in the dollar that Ontario spends, or essentially all the monies we allocate, go to other levels of government or agencies, meaning we really don't – like, we control less than 10 cents to the dollar um, of spending. And so we're going to reduce our own – uh, inefficiencies. We're going to do, reduce duplication. We're going to find savings for the taxpayer within the the monies we control. But an overwhelming majority go to other levels of government. So we believe they have to be part of the solution. And the premier has been meeting and listening to mayors across uh, the province of Ontario, uh, in Toronto, in Guelph, in Ottawa, having those conversations, and understands that in order to achieve the objective, additional time. Uh, would be uh, needed in order to save those services locally that matter most to the populations. And so we've been persuaded that a bit more time will still help us achieve the overarching objective, which is saving and a reduction uh, in spending. Stephen, they've said all along they're willing to find the savings, but they've what they've said is that they're not consulted enough, not consulted or talked to before the fact. Uh, Has this made the government change its approach to perhaps 
start consulting before the fact to avoid all this to and fro and campaigns against the government and and uh, unhappy mayors and, and all of this. We saw the same thing with autism. We we've seen this on a couple of files. Do you think that the approach might change in terms of consultation? Yeah, I think consultations are, are sort of vital when it comes to the rollout of any announcement. And I think what has taken place here is going back to the fall, there were uh, discussions and there were clearly the government has intimated rather uh, not subtly that we were going to be looking to the other levels of government, including at the Association of Municipalities of Ontario at that conference in the summer. This is literally perhaps 60 days, 90 days after we were elected. We not so subtly signaled to municipal partners that savings would be uh, we need to be that they need to be part of the solution in the context of savings. Obviously, the timing of that does it apply to the current fiscal year versus future uh, fiscal years? was a variable that wasn't decided. And so we've you know, reformed how we're going to proceed with this because we want to give municipal partners that flexibility that they have needed. They've asked for that, and we've listened. And I think would be part of leadership in government is achieving the policy, the public policies objectives you want. And for us, it is efficiencies, it is value, and it is ultimately an exercise that shouldn't be forced upon uh, by another level of government. It should be inherently done by every level of government themselves. I mean, when the, for example, the Auditor General of Toronto provides two, over 210 recommendations to reduce inefficiency and duplication and deliver greater value for tax dollars, and not one has been implemented, I think it sort of raises the question that, yes, there's an imperative to act, and it should be done yesterday. But what we're signaling today with the announcement is we're providing that uh, the flexibility and the time municipalities need to get this right, to protect those services that are vital to the, the, their residents, but also to signal to cities that we're still moving forward with our expectation to them that they have to do more with less. And I think every reasonable person and you know person across party lines would accept the premise that municipal governments have a lot of inefficiencies and waste, like every level of government, and we want them to do their part. So we, we think working collaboratively, listening, and ultimately reducing spending is a win-win and, and good for the taxpayer and ultimately good for those that want their uh, budgets, uh, rather want their governments to live within their means and stop indebting the next generation because the current generation can't, um, you know, restrain spending and ultimately get their fiscal house in order. Well, Stephen, I know you have to go, but again, does this signal a change in your approach? Uh, did the polls showing a, a big drop in popularity, did that have any impact? Not at all. Look, I, I, I don't, you know, there's been lots of dialogue on polls. Libby, I, I'm a big believer that the only one that matters is the election. And I know that that is often invoked by all politicians. But the truth is, the singular metric for us is about are we are our proposals um, moving the yardstick forward when it comes to you know a strong economy, protecting social service that matter to people? Those are the questions we challenge ourselves with. We seize ourselves with as, pol- as public servants in Ontario, and you know polls will go up, they will go down. That is irrelevant from I think from any calculation of how we move forward. The mayors of our community of communities across Ontario made clear their position. We made clear our position, which we want to find savings, and we need to do that. It is within the public interest to reduce the massive debt that exists in Ontario. Intergenerational debt is morally reprehensible. Our children should not pay the price because we don't have the political fortitude today to confront the very real challenges of deficits and debts where we spend the fourth largest line item in Ontario is debt, is interest on debt. We pay more on interest than we do in hospitals in Ontario, and I think it should be a bipartisan um, solution where we work together. So, you know, look, while I appreciate that the mayors have 
provided their opinion to us. We've listened. I think that's an important part of intergovernmental relations. Listening is an important part of leadership, consulting as well. And so I think all this together uh, will provide a victory uh, for taxpayers that want to see less waste and want to see less Auditor General reports come out with egregious examples of money being burned, their hard-earned money. But it also gives Mayor the certainty that they now can spend the coming months and the time they need to find those efficiencies that do not in any way compromise frontline services that are important in the social services that are sort of foundational to people's lives. Okay, Stephen Lecce, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Libby. Have a good day. You too. Okay, let's bring in Mike Layton, Toronto Councillor Mike Layton, who is a member of the Toronto Budget Committee. Hi, Mike. Good mor- uh, Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Were you surprised that they backed down? Well, I was and I wasn't. Like the, the level of heat that the public has been able to turn up on their local MPPs, on the Premier himself, uh, has been significant. And like this didn't happen out of the goodness of the Premier's heart, uh, that they're now backtracking on, on what was a retro, unfair retroactive cut to services that, help, that, that are there to help the most vulnerable. This is because the public turned up the heat. And yes, there were mayors and councillors involved, but for the most part, it was the parents. It was those that depend on these services. It was uh, uh, youth stepping up uh, to, to to fight for services that that will impact them. Uh, so 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 really, I think it's not in the goodness of their heart that they're now reconsidering their position on consultation. And I, it's funny to hear a member of the caucus say consultation is such a great thing, yet they didn't consult us at all about any of these potential cuts prior to just making the announcement. I, I want to point out one thing because the numbers come up a lot. They're sending saying there's 227 outside, outstanding findings from the Auditor General. They say that it's uh, that they're, they're they're financial and there are some financial, but those also consider non-financial benefits to the city. So it's not only financial. And I'll point out that of the 2,448 audit findings since its inception. 91% of those audit recommendations have been implemented. So they're just picking up a number that sounds big, but they're not actually saying what, uh, or putting it in the context of what the city's actually done. And so they're not all financial in nature, and we've actually, uh, we've actually implemented the vast majority of those, uh, of those uh, recommendations, many of which, or about 150 of those 227 outstanding ones, are more recently come, come through from the auditor. And so those are ones that we need to implement now, and the city has a plan to. So okay. I, I take great issue with them just picking numbers out and pushing it out there like, uh, like they're painting the whole picture for us. But they're, the, the, the fact is they're not. Well, you know, it, it, it reminds me of us sometimes if you ask someone to do something and they, they put it right back at you. Well, you, you, you need to do this before I do that. Um, are you at all expecting a different approach from the city? I mean, this is not the first time they've had to back down or they figured they'd have to back down and, and, uh, you know, it doesn't look that good on them. No, I, I don't think it does. And, and first, I think they're realizing they can't just implement policy without understanding what the impacts are. And when you talk about efficiencies, most of the money that, that they're actually talking about reducing, let's take childcare, for instance, 50% of that $80 million a year cut was for the, the cost share to subsidies subsidies for those that, that need them the most. 50% of that cut was straight out of the pockets of low-income Torontonians. And, uh, and it's not the efficiency that's found there. 
It has nothing to do with efficiency. It's just changing the funding formula. The same goes for 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 the our health our public health cuts. It was changing the ratio that the province pays, not actually helping us find ways of reducing the cost of of administering administering those those programs. And, and, and in case of childcare, like this is a direct subsidy, so you're actually just taking money out of the pockets of uh, of uh, of folks. That, that, that need that support to, to send their kids to childcare so they can get back in the workforce and start paying taxes again. Well, Mike, uh, is this just kicking it down the cat, uh, the, you know, down the street, uh, whatever that, that. Let's not kick the cat. Yeah, well, whatever, you. can, the can. Uh, I, I think it, I, I think it is. Um, I, what, the one, the one ray of hope that I see in this is that we're able as a province, as a city to stand up and say enough is enough. You know, I was in Ford's ward, Ford's riding just last Wednesday. We were at a child care center, one of the ones that will lose, uh, lose funding. Their parents will lose subsidies as a result in a community that needs, the parents need to work, but they can't afford the expensive child care bill. And so we were there and we were handing out f- flyers and every one of them, Every one of them signed our petition. There were people stopping in the street saying, you know, I voted for Ford, but enough is enough. Don't take it out on the good people that are just trying to live a life and go back to work when they have kids. Uh, and that, that is, I think, what has made the premier change his mind on this. Uh, I think that we've made it uh, as uncomfortable as possible for any of his caucus to go out in public uh, without actually really, really feeling some of the pressure that, uh, that, 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 that some of the feeling that, that, that people have around the province about who they've decided to take their, uh, take their attack out on. Okay, Mike Layton, thanks so much for being with us. Anytime. Okay, and before we get to our strategists, let's take a call from Joseph in Toronto. Hi, Joseph. Oh, hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'll be short and brief. Um, but, you know, uh, your um, your former, um, your previous uh, uh, speaker there, uh, Stephen Mucci, it's not the first time that he's been caught up in these um, situations where, you know, he seems to be talking out of both sides of his mouth. And most recently, you know, uh, I heard him on the program last week where they were adamantly refusing to bow down. And of course, uh, as a result of today's announcement, uh, this is what they've done. And it's not the first time. The problem that I have, Libby, is that the people like Stephen uh, Lichy, and and they are MPPs, and I understand he's a rookie MPP. That's fine. He's but the however, designated hitter. Uh, he's, he's the one they send out there. Last week, the message was, we're not backing down. This week, the message is that, but, but it's from the premier's office. Trust me. But what I'm saying, Libby, is that, uh, you know, people around the premier's office, and I know he's got influence because he's got a close tie with our premier. Okay. Uh, the, the premier has visited his riding up in Kings several times, and they put a lot of emphasis even during the election. But apart from that, uh, people like Stephen Lecce, with all due respects, should be saying, instead of coming on your program and saying, yes, we agree to consultation, but they're not performing that consultation. This is a government that's moving too fast, 
too quick. They've only been in power less than a year. And this is what they're finding out now. The mistakes are one after the other. And then they, they, they find that polls are down. The, the premier gets calls on his cell phone and his office. And then, of course, they call in this caucus. They call in the people closest to the premier and say, no, we have to bow down. That is not effective government. It isn't. And, and that's the problem that I have with people like Stephen Legend. Okay, well, well, Joseph, I I agree with your analysis, uh, except the fact that Stephen Lecce isn't doing this on his own. But I think that you are exactly right on uh, this doing stuff quickly and backing down. Joseph in Toronto, thanks for your call. I'm going to bring in now Kim Wright and Aleem Kanji. Hi, guys. Good afternoon, Libby. Hey, Kim, are you there? I am indeed. How are you today? Fine. So um, let's start with Aleem. Were you surprised that they backed off? And how do you think this looks on them? Well, you know, credit uh, where credit's due. I mean, you've got an organization uh, in the large urban mayors um, uh, uh, of Ontario. You know, this is a group that represents approximately 70% of Ontario's population. That includes Toronto. And that includes uh, a petition under uh, Mayor John Tory's leadership and that of his council uh, that over 30,000 people uh, have signed. And, you know, we heard the premier uh, this morning, uh, Premier Ford, talking about, uh, in his own words, and that of his Minister of Municipal Affairs, Steve Clark, saying municipal leaders need time. And he wants to work collaboratively with municipalities. So, yes, for now, they are going to re-examine how these things uh, uh, actually get funded and take place. I think the bigger question is next year, because this was this was put in retroactively on a budget that's already being passed by these municipalities across the province, including Toronto. And the question is, how does this affect next year? I mean, is the province, for example, still committed to a, a, a cut on public health? Uh, that's approaching about a billion dollars in uh, Toronto for next year? Or are they going to look at a different uh, cost-sharing formula? Has it come time now to rewrite new policy as it relates to things like public health, as it affects cities across this province? I think that's a question that uh, that needs to be uh, examined. And I think you've got a province here that, that has now said, in the Premier's own words, let's work together. What does that mean? We will see. Kim Wright, uh, do you think they've learned their lesson in terms of consulting beforehand? Um, how do you think this looks on them? Well, hope springs eternal uh, that, uh, that they have learned their lesson on this, although we would have thought that after the autism funding re- recalibration, as I'm charitably calling it, uh, and some of the other things that, the, that, is, that we have seen. Uh, they, this is a government that moves at lightning pace and sometimes there are significant unintended consequences. They really did think that this was going to be a, we're just going to beat up in Toronto and everyone will be fine with that. But what we saw was municipality after municipality, organization after organization, and community groups uh, from all across the province saying, whoa, you know, slow down, Mr. Premier, slow down, Ford government. This is not what we elected you to do. Efficiencies are one thing, but when you start talking about 
student nutrition program and measles vaccination and all of the rest of it, people are starting to get a bit concerned about this. I mean, there are also all sorts of conversations right now around, you know, why would you uh, reduce flood, uh, flooding uh, services and fire prevention services for forest fires right on the cusp of fi- uh, flooding and fire uh, forest fire season? So they have really... You know, if, if it was talking about future years and how are we going to put a process in place and we're still from the municipality's perspective uh, looking forward to the whole discussion around downloading and uploading who's responsible for which, uh, which program, these are the types of things that we're looking at, I, I think, to Mr. Lecce's point of what he had sort of announced at AMO, that's what they were looking for, not retroactive cuts. And retroactivity, which has been the hallmark of this government to date, is where the problems lie. But, uh, Kim, do you agree with Aleem that this is just going to be just as big a problem when it gets to it? Or do you think the mayors uh, are sincere that it won't be a problem as long as they have more time? It's not so much so that it won't be a problem. Taking four cents on the dollar in every municipality across Ontario is going to be a challenge. There will be things that get cut. Efficiencies really are code for cut. Are there things that governments can do better? Always. Uh, are there always going to be things that are headline-making and headline-grabbing, uh, waste of money, quote-unquote? Sure, these things do come up in these large organizations. Uh, but to find the four cents on every dollar for municipalities, uh, is is a very complicated thing that will in- inevitably uh, require some major changes. What I would like to see from a, a personal perspective, but also from a practitioner standpoint, is that there are some things that are really are being duplicated between the two two orders of government. Those type of things can be streamlined and better delivered in services. That's where I think it requires a better conversation about what those what those types of programs could be. How can you maybe do administrative uh, changes uh, for service delivery models? Those types of things. But when you talk about the totality of municipal services, when you talk about efficiencies, you're going to be talking about cuts. Okay, let's uh, take a quick call from Elizabeth in Scarborough. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. I just, we just wanted to comment and say that I think we must attack the debt. The debt is a big thing for Ontario. However, I think this pause is good and it might open a lot of eyes and realize, let everybody say, hey, we've got to do this. I think cuts are, it's going to have to come in order to reduce the debt. Okay, Elizabeth, thanks for that. Okay, <clears throat> Aleem, uh, what would yeah. you like to leave us with on this? And and also, I, I haven't asked, you know, that some people on the right are annoyed with them backing off. I mean, where do you think this leaves them in terms of uh, how the public views them and polls and stuff like that? Right. And I think Elizabeth brings up a good a good point uh, uh, when she's looking at, at the numbers. And I'll tell you. Um, I, I've had the opportunity to speak with mayors and councillors across the province this morning, uh, many of whom are happier than uh, the Toronto Raptors in, in, <laughs> on a Saturday night. i got to tell you that. They, they are excited. They are stoked. But they have to realize and they have to know that this provincial government is laser-focused on that $347 billion debt, on the $11.7 billion deficit. And as the last caller just put, put out and put forward, that's important. I think... People of this province don't want to leave that to their children and their grandchildren as the largest subnational debt in the world. Having said that, municipalities 
have to understand, and I think they know this, whether it's one cent this year in Toronto, four cents in other municipalities, they got to know and they got to realize that there will be more cuts coming. This is a pause for now. There will be more coming. They're giving municipalities the time to figure this out for next year's budget. So there will be more coming. And I think the campaign to stop the cuts uh, that Toronto's executed uh, and, and other municipalities as well, uh, is, is, it might be over for now, but I, I don't think this war is over by any means. And, and they will have to prove, uh, the value of their services uh, moving forward as municipalities in terms of what they do, whether that's public health, whether that's ambulance and paramedics, whether that's childcare, they will have to prove that moving forward. And there will be no, uh, there will be no room for, uh, error in terms of the dollars and cents moving forward. That's where we're headed. Uh, next year, and I believe over the next three years of this provincial government, it is going to set up a, a, a testy relationship with mayors from Mississauga to uh, to Ottawa to North Bay and everywhere in between. Okay, well, uh, speaking of Mississauga, we are going to be speaking to the mayor of Mississauga towards the end of the show. In the meantime, thank you so much to Kim Wright from Kim Wright Strategies and Aleem Kanji from Sutherland Corporation. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Libby. Have a great day. You too. Always a pleasure. Have a great day, Libby. Thanks. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.